0: I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land I'm recording from, the Yagara and the Turrible people, as the traditional custodians of Mianjin. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from. Just a heads up the conversations in this podcast are definitely for adult ears only. There'll be explicit language. Direct references to body parts and very non PG sexual activities. The chats are robust, so steer clear if you're a sensitive listener or if there are kids around. I think the tropes
1: are still real, but they maybe don't look like they used to. For lesbians, there's this, there's an idea that you just become like really nasty and to the exclusion of all other people. And I feel like we have been doing that a little bit.
0: You're listening to Erotic Stories, the podcast where we bring you conversations, untying the themes of SBS TV's steamy drama series. I'm Nadine Schmely. In this episode, we're asking questions about what's true and what's a trope. Are lesbians better at staying friends with their exes? Is the U-Haul lesbian really a thing? And do queer friendship groups mean that everybody has slept with everybody? Joining me on this episode, a couple, Tamara Nat and Aurelia saint Clair, who will shed some light, from their little world at least, on some of the themes in the erotic stories episode Mask Up. There's not that many spoilers ahead, so you can have a listen if you're yet to watch the episode, but it's a cracker, so we recommend catching it on SBS On Demand when you can. Tamara and Aurelia welcome to erotic stories
1: the podcast thank you it's so nice to be here we love it do you guys have any nicknames for each other oh yeah are they we I feel like we go on rotation
2: yeah like the classical ones like baby
1: yeah
2: mm-hmm. um baby
1: cake sometimes sometimes you call me like food pumpkin yeah I think you're more of a pumpkin Pumpkins I did ask you cute. the other day if you're okay with with the name that I called you and you said no and I feel like that's really nice that we control those (laughs) boundaries because sometimes we accidentally call each other what we call the dog yeah I (laughs) mean you you told me to come the other day (laughs) like fight here Fido yeah yeah. you were like come and I was like my little little. cheeky baby
0: (laughs) So, as you know today, we're talking about relationships and we're talking about friendship groups and we're talking about tropes. So, I'm going to start by asking you about your relationship. You guys have been together a while now. You live together, you're married, and you have a very together online presence. But I'm interested in how you managed that when it started. Was it a conscious decision to present yourselves as a couple or did it happen more organically?
1: That's a really good question, I'll um, let you lead that, I think, <laughs> as the more online one.
2: I think when we started dating, um, a word that was in the zeitgeist was soft launching, and I was also like, oh, I don't know, like it's kind of new, a new relationship, so you don't want to go in too hard because um, what if it doesn't work out or whatever. And then I think once the hard launch happened, um, it was unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and um, – I think the more time you spend online, like, and you maybe grow your following a little bit, or you share certain things and realize that people want to see more of that, it's kind of just really encouraging. When, and I know it's so cheesy to be like, ah, oh, just posted a picture of us, like, doing something really normal together. That if it was a straight couple, nobody would blink an eye. But I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm just posting this really consistently, and people are like, oh my god.
0: You're really good at that. This has helped me
2: coming out, or this is like normalizing seeing this sort of imagery.
0: Yeah. So it was a conscious decision to kind of represent and be seen as a public display as a queer couple. Yeah. Mm,
2: I'd say so.
0: What's the etiquette on socials? Is there one, is there sort of a a certain, you know, are we worried about who's going to see what? The soft launch, as you (laughs) said, the hard (laughs) launch. What is the actual process? Do you discuss it with each other? Give me some Mm -hmm. info. I think
2: when you're posting about each other, there has to be some sort of communication if there's a, a sort of boundary that you don't want to cross. Like, I'm trying to think of something, but like tomorrow I'll post something and, you know, be like, oh, is it okay that I posted that? And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, of course, it's always okay. That's the reason I took that photo. <laughs> like, it's not something that's to be hidden, although there's some photos we take of each other that don't see the light of day, of course. Um a lot of positive and surprising things have come out of being a chronically online couple. Um, one of our followers messaged us saying that um, it has helped him come out, and he's you know out and proud now. And I'm like seeing him
0: yeah, beautiful. um, be
2: his true self, which is nice. Um, then there's also people being like, "Do you have an OnlyFans?" You know, <laughs> so there's like two sides, like wholesome and and slutty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So something that's a big theme for the episode, there's a queer friendship group and how they all kind of have like an incestuous to them. Has that been your experience? Has there been a bit of crossover? People know each other. What's the go with that?
1: Yeah, I think not this relationship because we have a slight age gap, which is five years and we've sort of missed each other's, thank God, circles like that. But when I was growing up in Melbourne as like a 20 something year old, it was purely chaos and it was really like it came to the point where there was this one conglomerate of lesbians and they something had to happen like it got to the point where they had to foot they all fell apart in the most dramatic fashion like moved to New York became like a cult leader like all these separate things had to happen for them to break apart but they would all instead of having sex individually with their own relationships they would all have Orgies like every night.
2: <laughs> I'm so glad I missed that <laughs> yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that,
1: that perpetuates a lot in especially queer female friendship groups. Not yeah. that extreme version, but a version of yeah.
2: it. Yeah, I think for me, my um, friendships have been different. My queer friendships were more with gay men, so I got to hear all about their drama, um, see so all of the dick pics, mm-hmm. discuss those, you know. Who slept with who and whatnot, but I wasn't really dating around as much at that time. So, although there's maybe one or two people that are both mutuals or that we both know and we're like, oh, you know this person, oh, we work together? Luckily, there's not the type of overlap where we've like slept with the same person.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, which I'm I'm grateful. <laughs>
0: So are the tropes real, is the real question. Are the tropes of queer friendship groups real? You know, that it's all incestuous, we've all kind of cross mishmash together?
1: Yes. I think so, but I feel like we do it in a more mature way than is represented. <laughs> <laughs> we do it in a more mature way yeah. now. Yes. But um, back in the day, it's, you know, you're figuring yourself out.
0: Right. u whole lesbian is a trope. Is it, is it a true trope? Has it 100%. changed? Is the new U-Haul lesbian going to Vegas?
1: Yes. Yeah. We need, I feel like we need, that's our number one sponsorship challenge because I feel like we could be the face of U-Haul and I think we can encourage others to do the same. My sister's doing it now. She's not queer, but we can still have influence in that sector.
0: <laughs> it's, it's real. It's can real. you explain the U-Haul lesbian trope to me? Just so that I can capture it and be like, this is what it is.
2: <laughs> U-Haul lesbianism is going on a date on a Saturday night Not leaving their house till Monday and um, moving in, like, before your next rent circle is due because your rent is going up anyways and if you live together in a one-bedroom apartment with your three cats, you actually save a lot of money.
0: (laughs) Sharing tofu cuts down those costs immensely. Absolutely.
1: Thank (laughs) God Aurelia is a strict German and it's only meat and potatoes in this house.
2: Hey, we had tofu the other week.
0: yeah. Mm. Tofu mm. What are the other tropes? What do you have any other tropes about queer relationships that you know of?
1: I think f- for lesbians, there's this, there's an idea that you just become like really nesty and to the exclusion of all other people. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like we have been doing that a little bit as yes, well. We have. Um, Is
2: it good? Bad? Do you like it? I, I love, love it. it. It works really well for me. I think I always wanted to be in a relationship where we like can talk about everything, commit when we're like ready to rather than like when I was um in my bisexual phase <laughs> <laughs> dating men and there they'd just like never be any conversation. It'd be like, Oh, I have to think about it, I'm not ready, blah, blah, blah. Well now, um, it's been the opposite of that. We talk about everything, we think really similar in a really similar way and things move quickly because
1: of that that was so well put how do, do you, you do
0: that mask femme trope uh relationship trope is that still a thing
1: oh that's a really interesting one I think so I think so too um for us definitely okay in our private life it's like very like we interchange sometimes but I think we have sorry you go I feel like you really want to jump in do
2: no I, I'm just smiling because you're saying it. <laughs> No, I think I think the tropes are still real, but they maybe don't look like they used to. I feel like if you look at us, either of us can be more ma- mask often presenting on any given day, but like in our private life, the roles are definitely there. Like, But also it's kind of, I think at home I'm more mask, but also I cook <laughs> and I do the laundry, you know. It's not
1: like gender norms, it's more... Our dynamic. People always get us wrong as well. Yeah. They always assume the wrong thing. It's so funny. What do you mean? They always look they're always like, you're definitely a power top. And I'm like, in no way am I a power top. In no way. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. You you
2: just
0: have an angular face.
1: Is that it? <laughs>
0: That's it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's another trope for you. <laughs>
0: there's a trope in lesbian land, which is that you stay friends with your exes or you know them for a long time. We don't always let go. Is that a trope that you found to be true in your world or in your friendship circles? The only
2: ex we're still friends with is my (laughs) (laughs) ex-boyfriend. I think that's the only ex I can think of that we have in our life and that we have like a positive relationship with
0: do you think you're exceptions to the general lesbian world or do you think that that's kind of how it is
1: I feel like a lot of my friends that I know have had sort of toxic relationships and have broken them off and just never spoken to them again Mm. myself included Mm -hmm. um I can't actually think of one ex that I still talk to and I think that is definitely a reflection on me and my behavior in my 20s but yeah, I was very much like I just want to move on and leave that there. But yeah. people that I've had flings with and stuff are still in my life. It's just the major relationships. That, um yeah, aren't there aren't there. I don't I can't think of anyone else though that is like really super tight. No. I think in the older age groups definitely there is that.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think it's a new thing because there's more queers now. Yeah. You know, like back in the day when people were maybe more closeted, you had to stay friends with some exes because otherwise you have no queer friends. But like new queers drop every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every day, every day a woman breaks up with her long term boyfriend, a lesbian is born. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, do you think the internet's helped with that? You know, like opening up that world? We're not just stuck in these little pockets.
1: I live. I love, and I live. I love, and I live the internet, and I think that it's given a lot of women the ability to have awakenings that they otherwise wouldn't have had. And you see a lot of them. Like if you look at the comments of any like masculine lesbians TikTok, it's like, "Oh my god, am I gay? Like, am I having a <laughs> return <What laughs> for you? What's this feeling? Yeah." Um, and I think that's actually really important because it's exposure that um, that can really lead to having. Thoughts and feelings about yourself and other people that you wouldn't otherwise have access to.
0: Mm, I agree. Do you think being queer today is different to the kinds of way it's generally represented in the media? Like, do you think you see yourself represented or queer people represented? I think there's been
2: progress with shows like The Ultimatum Queer, which was a binge watch for us and it was really like messy and it showed different couples, different body types, even. I think. Um, that you don't generally see or there's still in the general public I think this idea of that's what a lesbian looks like and it's really like tomboyish, short hair, um, kind of I don't know (laughs) lumberjack aesthetic that sort of thing when like truly lesbians come in all shapes and sizes, heights, different um, expressions of you know, gender, even like I identify as non-binary, but I'm also a lesbian, you know. So there's all these intersections that we're seeing more, I would say, on social media and maybe reality TV shows than on the big screen or the sort of scripted shows. Um, I mean, SBS is changing that. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's kind of getting there, but we're not at a, at a point where you can, you know, turn on, your streaming subscription and easily find a show where you can, fi- like, see yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I want more boring queer content. I know that sounds weird, but I – the stories that we're given are so few and far between or have been traditionally that they're all really salacious or intense or there's a lot of weight to them. And yeah. I just want, like, shit queer content but a lot of it so that it, there's more – Yeah. Neighbors with our lesbians. Exactly. Yeah.
0: No more trauma.
1: No yeah. more trauma. No, but no more like, like confusion, like struggle, just some light bullshit. I just want some of that for, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Just like fodder, queer fodder. More of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, sex is a big part of the episode of Erotic Stories. Being able to make your partner orgasm is discussed in a friendship group. Is that something you guys openly discuss in your friendship group?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly with reference to um, how a lot of my friends are straight and they're just (laughs) so disappointed constantly. Um, And it's always like them saying, I wish I was gay, which I'm very annoyed about But (laughs) um, because we seem to have a better time of it as women. Um, So, yeah, we always chat about that, I think.
2: Yeah, I think the orgasm gap is real. The orgasm gap, yeah. But we don't really experience it.
0: The orgasm gap. Give me a definition on what the orgasm gap is, please.
2: (laughs) Um, So there's studies on this that show that in heterosexual couples, the man will almost always come, but the woman won't. She'll maybe come like, I don't know, 60% of the time or something. I, I don't know the numbers. Please don't quote this like scientifically and uh, numbers. But if it's sixty, I'll eat a hat. But go on. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> maybe more, maybe more or less. But in queer relationships and, and lesbian relationships, um, it's pretty equal. So we don't have the gap where you know Tamara comes but I don't. There's true equality, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that as well has a lot to do with acceptance of self pleasure, like the use of toys and. Things that assist orgasm that aren't the person directly that you're having sex with, and I think that some men uh, get a complex if they're not the one to make you come, um, and they won't allow you or be happy about you using anything else to come. So there, you're just lying there, and they've had a nice time, and you haven't. And I feel like that's a real issue.
0: Mm. Yeah, it, it can be quite disappointing. I um, remember my early twenties.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Do your friends ask for advice? Is it openly, you know, let's talk?
1: Yeah. I think they always ask me how we, because we are very tactile Mm. all the time and it doesn't really take an effort. It's something we do all the time naturally. And so people often ask how our sex life is because they can pick up on the sort of carnal energy that's around us most of the time. Um, And that doesn't exist for a lot of people, I think, especially long-term um, we've only been dating for two years, but you know, it's a lot of the time it dies out after a few months for a few people who are hypersexual. Um, but it's always been really important to both of us and it does affect our moods when we haven't had sex regularly enough. Um, so it's very important for like our health. I feel. Yeah, it's, do you
0: feel? It's yeah. a mental health thing. Do you, do your straight friends ask you for queer sex advice? Like do they think that you're more well informed because you're queer Mm, I think any time
2: I've, like, posted something about sex toys, people are like, oh, like, how is that one? Like, that sort of thing. But they're not directly asking for sex advice. Mm,
1: I think when tips. Um, yeah, a tips, lot of yeah. my queer friends, they go from men to dating women, they ask a lot of advice, very detailed step-by-step instructions they would like so that they don't feel so... <laughs> Intimidated. I think there's a lot of um, people who just th- think that it's a really mysterious thing to move into having sex with women. It's the same as having sex with a new partner in general. I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we get overall relationship advice more than specifically sex advice. People ask for relationship advice. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how did that happen? It's like I actually have literally no idea. <laughs> you're you're
0: the queer relationship oracle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So in this episode, there's a character whose identity is really tied to their sexual prowess. You were talking a little bit about how sexual pleasure is different for lesbians and queers. Do you think that queer people are more prone to people pleasing?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think you start life as a queer person or you have done in the past with this sort of performative version of yourself being the dominant person because you are lying your way through life trying to fit yourself into a heteronormative form. And I think a lot of queer people struggle with being authentic from that point. And you have to, myself included, go through this process of being real or becoming a real person that you have this inherent idea that you don't fit and that you're not correct. And so the ability to be correct in any situation, you're going to chase it. That's how I felt anyway through my life, like dr- being really good at school, being really good at everything.
0: Are there ups- upsides and downsides of being that guy?
1: I think it's great that you you can push yourself in directions that you wouldn't otherwise push yourself, but then it's like you're pushing yourself away from yourself. So you have to come back at some point and that for a lot of people looks like a breakdown or a breakup and then a reformation of, of some description, often later in life as well for a lot of people who've had to be inauthentic for a lot of their lives to survive.
0: Do you think you're there, Tamara?
1: As of the last few years and this relationship that I've now been able to invite into my life, I can see that I am, but it was, like, for such a long time, from when I was, like, 21 to 29, I feel like I was checking in with myself. I remember sometimes just staring in the mirror and being like, is that me? Am I in there? Or like, who is this? What am I doing? And I think that comes from like, you know, eating disorders and stuff as well, where you're taking yourself so far away from yourself. It's so hard to stuff yourself back in and it takes a long time. And I think if people spoke about that more often, we'd be able to realise that it's okay to still be struggling. Like even I'm sure that I still will be battling to, you know, form myself properly until I'm very old and that that's regular and fine.
0: I think there's a real beauty to embracing that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All of us. Yeah,
0: it's true. There's a real beauty to embracing that we're imperfect people. And there's a real beauty. And I think there's something that I'm seeing in queer culture is this acceptance of who we are and this acceptance of our faults. And, you know, it's kind of okay to to be this imperfect person, um, which is really, really nice. Do you think that sometimes that kind of quest for being great can make us better in bed? You know, like, I'm going to be the best lover. (gasps) Mm. I am the gayest best (laughs) loverer in the world (laughs) you know I remember googling how do I do this um you know do you think we put more effort into it I think so but I think some people just do too much
2: like you you can't be doing too much it's too like I googled too I was like okay I'm gonna look this up I watched a video of a man explaining how to go down on a woman (laughs) and like half halfway through I was like I don't think I need this like I'm just gonna Yeah, I have the same anatomy as the person I'm sleeping with. So how different can it be? And also at the same time, everyone is different and the only way to find out is by asking, exploring and just being with each other rather than, you know, you can read a lexicon about riding a bicycle but until you sit on that seat, you're not going to know how to ride a bicycle. So I think it's about experience with your partner and different partners as well which is something I think that's important is exploring with different people um and I'm grateful that we met at the time we did because we've (laughs) we've done um our slut phase and our like you know sleeping around and gaining that experience and yeah that's not something you can rush and I think some baby queers might be like no I need a know how to like do this whole list of things but you don't you're not gonna have sex with your potential partner for the first time and have the best sex of your life I feel like that never happens I think the best sex of your life happens when you know the person when you're comfortable with each other when you've discussed your boundaries and when you've explored each other's bodies
0: yeah so do you have a coming out story did you guys come out did you
1: I did I was walking along the bridge along Burung Ma with my mum and I had a girlfriend and I was like, oh, how do I say, what do I do? I don't know how to say this. And then we were walking to get little mini cupcakes and coffee and I was like, mum, I have a girlfriend. She was like, that's nice. Would you like to have coffee today or should we get a pot of tea and share it? And I was like, okay, cool. I think it's all right. <laughs> wow. So just
0: nothing oh, that's really beautiful Aurelia did you have who did you come up out
1: to first actually?
0: and did you come out
2: yeah no that's a good question I feel like coming out can be made into this like big thing of like oh my god you burst out of the closet and like everyone knows you're gay now and like your life does like a 180 a new person it's like no actually none of that really happened for me I just quietly changed the dating preference on my dating apps and then um yeah like the only people who noticed were my housemates like different people coming through the doors <laughs> 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 that's it um and I also just want to say like if you're coming out and you're coming out isn't like a party and a celebration and your, your parents disowning you or all of a sudden being really proud that's so fine like coming out doesn't have to be a big thing and you're going to come out like all the time you're going to get a new job and you're going to be like by the way um when I say partner you're going to swap swap partner for girlfriend or wife you know you're going to like come out to people in in the line at a coffee shop when they're like that's a nice ring do you have a husband you know (laughs) like that sort of thing it happens all the time do you sometimes lie?
0: Do you sometimes go, yeah, I do, that's my husband?
2: Um, I think the only time is we're getting our nails done for our wedding and both of us have short nails usually, so they're like so femme and so extra. Tamara's were pink, mine were blue because um, she's a girl and I'm a boy. <laughs> but um, the, nail, the, nail technician, <laughs> the nail technician was asking about like, family or like do you have kids do you have kids and I was like no no and then um I wear like an engagement ring and um I didn't say oh my wife is sitting next to me I was just like yeah my partner you know yeah because I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable yeah and I don't think that was like I didn't feel like I was hiding a part of myself but it was more like I'm going to be in this nail salon with this woman for 60 minutes and I don't want her to, like, wheels in her a, a head to spin off about why these two lesbians.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's either that or, like, safety. Yeah. I think that's the only two reasons.
0: Um, something we ask all our guests on here is what is erotic to you? How do you define erotic?
1: Ooh. It's like anything that makes the 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 tingle in my body anything that produces that for me is erotic especially I think I grew up reading like Anne nin and words to me are so erotic so it's that sort of like connection to my intellectual side as well as my body that I find to be eros for me Mm -hmm. what about you
2: erotic to me is anything that turns me on and that's yeah <laughs> I think that's it like I think that turn me on and sometimes it's really simple like it can just be the shape of your back or the way you, that your hair is in your neck or it can just be like reading porn on my phone in my lunch break um,
0: and all of those
2: things are, are it
0: that's beautiful thank you so much both of you for joining us today on erotic stories
1: what a Um, joy
0: that's the perfect note for us to go out on um yeah but what a lovely morning
1: so lovely can we do this again
0: (laughs) you've been listening to erotic stories the podcast for more chats like these subscribe to the podcast on the sbs audio app or wherever you get your podcasts you can also catch every episode of Erotic Stories now on SBS On Demand. I'm Nadine Schmele. May your erotic story be...
2: As a hopeless, romantic, sexy... Incredibly erotic...
1: and cathartic, cathartic moment... All hot and sweaty... And- Just the usual weird stuff, beautiful... Sensations and pleasurable feelings... Self-powerful... Quite an outrageous moment... Like a fantasy... Pleasure and desire and attraction...